You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. It's me, Colin Kelly, back on the show for another episode a day or two later this week than normal. But as I said on Twitter, setting up a lot of shows over the next few days as uh, I'll be heading on a kind of six-week vacation of traveling around uh, Australia and New Zealand uh, in a few short weeks and um, trying to get you some great content set up for that time. I'm doing a lot of evergreen-style shows, recording seven shows in the next uh, three or four days, so... Uh, trying to get everything set up so we could fit it all in. So we're recording this one on Friday, and I'm going to be joined on today's show by Ryan McDowell. A lot of you'll know him as well from the great work that he does for DynastyLeagueFootball.com. He does a lot of the ADP work over there, has his own podcast now as well with Matt Williamson, and uh, that is called the Dynasty Blueprint. And we'll be talking about that and a lot, lot more Dynasty-wise coming up in just a little moment. And I'll be recording a lot more over this coming weekend as I try and set up to have a nice schedule of guests coming out for you. So there'll be guys jumping aboard the show. I'm recording on Saturday with Rotopat. That'll be next week's show. It'll be coming out very early. That is Pat Doherty of Rotoworld. And then we'll be joined on Monday. These shows will be coming out slightly later, though. We'll be joined by Chris Harris of the Harris Football Podcast, formerly of ESPN. I'm going to be joined as well by Card Safchek of DLF. We're going to be doing a Dynasty 101 podcast with him. And Matt Harmon of NFL.com. And of course, he does his own show now to the Backyard Banter podcast. Had him on a couple of weeks ago. We'll be doing the NFL's top 10 receivers heading into the 2016 season. So really looking forward to those shows coming up. They'll be spread out over the next couple of weeks. And that's only a couple of guests. There's a few more that I'll leave for you to uh, check the Twitter feed to see who they are. Lots of good shows coming up in the next few weeks. So if you have any questions for any of those guys, be sure and send them to the Twitter account. And that is at Overtime Ireland or else send them my way at overtimeireland at gmail.com if you think they're not going to fit into those 140 characters. As always, starting the show, iTunes, Stitcher, all the ways to listen to the show can be found at overtimeireland.com forward slash podcast and uh, of course give us a written and a comment on iTunes uh, that would really help keep moving us up the rankings over there. So with all that done, let's get into the Dynasty Talk. Let's get Ryan McDowell on the show. Hi, this is Ross Tucker and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. Well, I must say it's uh, an absolute pleasure to have this man on the show, somebody I've been following in fantasy for football circles for quite some time, and now uh, we had Matt Williamson on not that long ago, and uh, he's running a great podcast with him at the moment, The Dynasty Blueprint, a man with a quite an Irish-sounding name, but uh, not a very Irish-sounding voice, uh, it's Ryan McDowell, <laughs> uh, thanks for jumping aboard the show. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, I'm, I'm glad to be on. <laughs> uh, obviously uh, very involved in the dynasty community for a long long time and uh, i mentioned the blueprint as well going fantastically well and i've been really enjoying the content on that so for the listeners today it's going to be focused much more on dynasty than uh, we'll be doing regular uh, redraft style questions as well we've some twitter questions that have come in but it'll go between both those topics and uh, we'll start off with some dynasty adp there's been some moves in free agency um, obviously chains to values of certain players in the fantasy football uh, rankings and uh, Alfred Morris a player who probably three weeks ago had little or no value going forward joins the Cowboys and um, depending on how the draft goes could have significant value next season yeah absolutely I think it's it's you know it's the best case landing spot for any running back um, Morris included and he's you know he's instantly gaining value like you said I saw many people on Twitter talking about trading a a first round rookie pick for him, which would have been unheard of just a few days ago. 
So um, I wouldn't go that far when it comes to players like Morris. Um, those are guys that I want to acquire before, you know, obviously before they hit the jackpot with yeah. signing with a team like Dallas. So at this point, I'm I'm not willing to pay a first round pick for him. Uh, I, I think an early second round is is probably about where his value is right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, sometimes you get if this had been, I'm just when you were talking about it, I just thought if this was this time last season after Demarco Murray had the the big season two years ago, if Alfred Morris had hit the Cowboys at that stage, I think the hype would have been absolutely through the roof. But his value took a dip last season, and still definitely uh, potential there. But but with him. It's, it's it's going to be an interesting one because there was a couple of trades that I was looking at in Dynasty a few weeks back and he was almost being offered by opposing uh, managers of teams as a throw-in and uh, I just didn't see his value picking up enough but um, now I kind of wish I had because he's the kind of player, if you had him or if you picked him up a couple of weeks ago, do you think you're going to hold on to him and uh, see how you get this season with him or is he a player that I like to say sometimes uh, you know as a kind of gambling term that you would cash out on a player? I think if, uh, if I had him, he's probably a player that maybe before the hype dips down, I'm going to probably try and cash out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we always value any running back that, that ends up in Dallas. That's how it's been the past few years. Yeah. And, you know, we saw Joseph Randall was, was a bust and Kristen Michael was a bust for, for Dallas. So, um, I think cashing out is a smart play, especially if, uh, you find in your league that the prices are like I mentioned. If if you can get a first round pick or yeah, you know a, a good young wide receiver, uh, then I'd certainly be cashing out. Yeah, and you mentioned Christine Michael there. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> I think you probably if you're in some dynasty circles, you might still get a first round pick for him after all the stuff that he's been through. A, a <laughs> farmer, absolute darling of the fantasy football community. Um, Ruben Randall's headed to the Eagles. He's been a very inconsistent receiver over the last. Uh, well, since he entered the league, really shows flashes of what he can do, but never the consistency there. He's gone to the Eagles, and um, I would still leave his value just as where it was before he signed for the Eagles. He's a player that I wouldn't be buying, and uh, maybe, again, if I had him, I would be trying to move him on at this point because uh, I don't see a big impact from him this season again. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, his he got almost almost no money compared to some of these other free agent wide receivers even a guy like Mohamed Sanu who is you know not not very highly regarded in in the fantasy community got quite a bit more than than Ruben Randall and you know he's still playing he's he's obviously behind Jordan Matthews in targets he's probably behind Nelson Aguilar he's behind Zach Ertz and you know with Peterson there now they're they're going to focus on their tight ends they're going to run the ball a lot uh, Randall is is just almost worthless. Yeah, I think that too. And um, you know, just there's uh, there seems to be a lot of problems off the. F- it's not not actually problems, but off the field, it seems to be that that's Randall's main issue. That he has been such a gifted athlete all his way through high school, through college, and he never really has put in that extra work off the field that you need to get to that next level when you enter the league. So I think that's why we see the flashes, but not the consistency. Uh, just waking up today to the news that RG3 has officially signed with the, the Cleveland Browns a two-year contract. I had targeted him a few weeks ago, just um, a little bit of depth at the the quarterback position, but he wasn't somebody I was able to acquire. Um, I think it could be an interesting move. I think you know a change of scenery for him, definitely what was needed but 
we'll see if he can put it all together. He was definitely spooked his last uh, couple of years in Washington, particularly in the pocket. And uh, I don't think we'll ever see what we've seen in the rookie season with him with the athletic ability outside of the pocket. But um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in with the Browns. It's the first move, I guess, for Browns fans out there, this free agency that they can be excited about because the direction the team has been going uh, this offseason has been pretty unique and very strange. <laughs> Yeah, it, it has been a weird, a weird free agency period for Cleveland. Um, I, I like the move for for RG three. There, there really weren't many options for him. No. Um, but again, l- like we did with Randall talking about the contract, I think money talks in this situation. And I think Griffin got a lot more, uh, a lot more money than people expected. So you know, at, at this point, he's. I think he's the favorite to be the starter. Uh, I, I still think there's a chance they draft a quarterback with the, the second overall pick. Um, and, and if they do, that would obviously hurt his, his long-term value. Um, but he's, he's a guy that's on waiver wires. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's certainly worth picking up and, and stashing and, and seeing if he can win that job, if he can somehow regain that, that glory from his rookie season. Yeah, and it was quite spectacular glory at the time. We'll see if that ever can re-emerge. But, uh, you know, Browns fans out there listening, I guess when you're looking back at the last 10 years of quarterback play, um, it mightn't get any better, but it probably can't get any worse. Um, <laughs> we have some other kind of ADP players and buy sales. We're going to skip through them, get through some questions, and if we have time at the end, we'll jump back to them. But talking a little bit of dynasty strategy now, and first question that came in on Twitter over the last couple of days was, as a commissioner of a 16-team league, uh, this guy had a couple of members who wanted to uh, lower the roster size. Current roster size is 23 spots with no taxi squad, so keep everyone on your roster. And then what's your ideal roster size in Dynasty League? And I guess in his particular question, a 16-team league. Sure. The you know the 16-team leagues are still rather unique. Um, I have played in some 16-teamers. I've never commissioned any. Okay. Um, and honestly, it's been a few years since, since I've even participated in, in any. And so I can't remember how many roster spots we had at the time. I know in my leagues, which are mostly 12 team leagues, our roster spots are anywhere between 25 and 30. Yeah. And I still find that the, the waiver wire is pretty fresh with those numbers. You can still find some guys, you know, Thomas Rawls early in the season a year ago would have, would have still Barnage been on the waiver wire. Yeah. Gary Barnage. Yes, is exactly. Um, so you can still keep an active waiver wire even with larger rosters. Yeah, you'll always get um, you'll always get those guys that are sitting out there. It's particularly in twelve, but a, a league. I'm in a couple of sixteen team leagues, and the roster does uh, or the waiver wire <laughs> is pretty bare. Yeah, exactly. The you know, I guess the the larger the roster sizes, the the benefit the benefit there goes to you, you know your more active yeah. dynasty owners. So. Um, if people are asking for smaller smaller roster sizes, they're maybe not putting in the work and the time that some of their league mates are. So I, I would always encourage larger, you know, the larger the better in general. Yeah, I do prefer the larger roster size, but I am in a 12-team league as well, uh, a couple of them, and they are 23-man spots as well. And there, does, there doesn't seem to be a huge amount extra on the waiver wire, and maybe it's just that it's a more active league and that people are picking up everything off the waiver wire. And like you said, RG3 on some waiver wires, a lot of the 12-team leagues, you'll see those guys dumped a lot quicker, whereas in a 23-team or a 16 with 23, they'll be staying at the bottom of the roster for a long, long time, and maybe those opportunities don't arise. Uh, next question up, and this is just getting back into our topics, and it's uh, team building. A lot of people, obviously, in startup or even if it's an established league and trying to develop 
Uh, is yours, I guess, uh, the perfect answer is a combination of both, but veterans over rookies, which do you tend to value more? I'd be a player who I prefer to uh, try and get the veterans. I think what I've noticed in the last couple of years is people, when players start to get to 26, 27 now, people are saying, oh, let's, I need to get so, need to get younger. And, you know, if it's a, a, t- a wide receiver or a tight end at that stage, there's still lots of tread left on those tires. Yeah, absolutely. I I wrote an article a couple of years ago for Dynasty League Football, um, just talking about how I like to build around youth when I'm doing a startup draft. I like to build around the wide receiver position, and I, I basically ignore uh, running backs altogether. Yeah. Um, so I, I called that the productive struggle, which uh, <laughs> I, I in my my day job is a third grade teacher. Yeah. Uh, so that's an educational term that. The idea is just to that it's okay to lose in the first year. And I, in fact, sometimes I'm happy to take my lumps in that first season. It rewards me with a, a high rookie pick the upcoming season. And then I can build around that the youth and the wide receivers. So in general, I favor uh, rookies and youth over veterans who – uh, their value is declining from the moment they get on your roster yeah well that's true if you're i know what you're saying looking forward and trying to gain value over time i just last season quite a couple of you know veteran players helped me significantly significantly in leagues at the start of the last season players like um, larry fitzgerald were going for next to nothing i know it was a big bounce back year for him in terms of productivity but even in startup leagues you'll get you know guys like that there sometimes you know in the l- later rounds and i think sometimes the shiny new object does take on a predominant role but then there is as you mentioned certain rookies going forward like if you had a Todd Gurley last year you're really looking nice there but most of the time that's with uh, either acquiring those picks or else having a a terrible season the previous year but it is interesting the the different strategies uh, acquired particularly in dynasty and a lot of people's philosophies uh, take that is where everything else starts for the dynasty owner. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And, and like you said, I think a lot of people have kind of come around to that strategy where they're valuing youth so much that it's it's becoming overvalued. And, and players like Fitzgerald and Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker and Carson Palmer, Antonio Gates, you know, you can grab those guys late and, and win a championship in year one. So uh, the productive struggle is is my personal strategy, <laughs> but I, I, I don't blame anyone for grabbing those veterans and trying to win a title in the first year of the league yeah you mentioned Eric Decker I think he's just been underrated each and every year that he's he's been in the league and uh, it probably will be moving forward yet again but uh, I mentioned there about the the strategy developing the strategy another question on, on Twitter and it was over the time the best fantasy players adapt and develop their strategy any particular ways in which you've adapted your style over time I know um, I said that I've been targeting a lot of veterans the last two seasons um, than yours and to go the rookie way so there's difference in our opinion but I think the key to any person playing fantasy is to try and take parts of each and every strategy and try and mold them together into the, the perfect way to try and win one of those championships is there any ways in particular over the last three or four years you find that you have adapted your strategy yeah, there is. And, and I agree with that. You know, you always have to be uh, learning and, and evolving if, if you want to become a better, a uh, better fantasy player. So when I started playing Dynasty uh, 10 years ago or so, it was all about running backs. And, you know, your first three or four picks in a draft might be running backs. Wide receivers were just afterthoughts, uh, which which is crazy to think about now. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, so that that strategy has certainly changed for for myself and and almost everyone 
Um, but then in, in the past couple of years, I've been playing more and more auction leagues. And I found that in, in auction leagues, it's easier to build a, a more balanced roster. So I can still get my youth, but then I'm able to find those values of veterans and, and players who are just going uh, for less than than I think they should or less than I um, than they, you know, than they should be going compared to some of the other prices and and build a pretty balanced team. So we talked about Eric Decker. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I was able to get Eric Decker for twelve dollars or sixteen dollars <laughs> out of a four hundred dollar league just last week. So um, I think Eric, in, in that specific league, Eric Decker in particular. Sorry. Do you think there's any reason Eric Decker never ever gets? Uh, you know, it's always oh he done this last year. He done that last year. It was with Peyton Manning. And, you know, everything he's moved to New York it didn't work out in his first season, and it, he always he's going to be perenni- perennially undervalued. I really, I really don't know why. I can't figure um, it out. I, I just keep getting. I, I wish I can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I wish I did know. Maybe I could take advantage of it in, in other ways, yeah. as far as finding other players like that. But, um, yeah, you know, the Manning excuse that that he was, you know, he was only good because of Peyton Manning, and you know, now he's he's in New York, and maybe maybe Brandon Marshall is is kind of overshadowing him. So I really don't know. I I know I do hope that New York is able to uh, re-sign Ryan Fitzpatrick and hang on to him. That that seemed to work really well last year, so hopefully they can get their quarterback situation figured out soon. Yeah, it did. It was really productive for uh, both wide receivers last year and even the running backs when they had Chris Ivory. Uh, even Bilal Powell had some fantasy value towards the end of the season, but it's looking it's very strange the way they haven't re-signed him over all this time, and now with the, he's losing leverage each and every position that's filled, and now the Cleveland Browns and you know, with the Broncos taking on Sanchez, it seems to be that he's running out of places to try and get his leverage to get more money. So the Jets might get their way in the end and sign him to a cheaper deal. But uh, then on to free agency and trades. You know, a lot of people, in when you get a redraft league, there's not a lot of trading that goes on throughout the season. But the key to a dynasty league being successful is trading and free agency, particularly the trading side of it. Uh, how do you approach free agency and trades uh, in general? Uh, I totally agree. You have to be. You have to be active both with your waiver wire and and with trades. Um, as far as the waiver wire, you know, I just like I said, I just try to be active. I try to keep on top of um, which players are available. I, I keep a watch list of between five and ten players that are on the waiver wire that I would consider adding, um, and I try to do that for for each league I'm in, and, and then just you know, as momentum builds for that player, try to try to be the first one to scoop them up. Um, and then with trades, you know, just just try to look at the other team's needs as well. Um, it, it's really easy to to find that that hot name. You know, maybe it's somebody who's just signed or or just been traded. It's really easy to go and try to trade for that player, but um, it, it's usually it usually is not very successful. So I, I you know, I think the better move is just to um, find the players that are filling a need for your team seeing how you can help the other team as well and and the communication and just building those relationships between the owners in your league uh is always beneficial 
Yeah, free agency in particular, you mentioned the strategy of having a number of players lined up that you're kind of just pretend you're scouting them at that stage to see if they can make your roster and then uh, eventually pulling the trigger on them. And I think it was your podcast last week. I'm not sure it could have been another show that you. it was the talk of the conversation was about guys at the bottom of your roster that you think, oh, well, this guy, he's never going to play, but I just want to have him there as backup. You're better to take a shot on somebody maybe who's on the waiver wire who has potential to a starting role to have, uh, you know, a huge upside in success rather than just keeping those guys at the bottom of the bench that are never really going to ever in general feature on your starting lineup so i'm not sure was that your show last week um i don't think it was but i think that's a great point um and you know a lot of times we will keep players on our roster we talked about reuben randall earlier you know when when's the last time reuben randall was a a quality fantasy starter um you know it's it's been a while if ever and and it doesn't look like that's going to change so he's still on rosters in every single one of my leagues because he has that name value and he was an early round rookie pick and, uh, and we're, you know, we just keep hoping he turns into something. But I think with the, with the guys at the end of your roster, you just have to ask yourself, is there any chance that they would ever start for me, uh, start for this, for my team? And if the answer is no, or if you don't see any scenario where they would, then yeah, you are better off moving them for, for a prospect or, someone who could turn into something yeah so the difference that is the i find that's the real difference in dynasty and just redraft is you have to go 365 uh, all year round trying to see what information you can get because even things like last year i had on um uh, chris trapasso he was covering the buffalo bills training camp and he mentioned to me off air about uh, carlos williams this year was very very early last year in training camp and he was a player i picked up in a number of dynasty leagues so you just have to try and get information anywhere you can and i'm sure you do the same sorts of things just trying to pick up those little bits of snippets of information and sometimes nothing will come off them uh, other times you'll get a nice uh, very 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 nice bargain out of it but that's another uh, side of it draft strategy and rookie pick value this year in particular i've tended because i thought uh, i was you know competing in a lot of leagues i've traded away most of my first round picks this year uh, i know that matt williamson has uh, a lot of value in next year's picks the 2017 picks so uh, are you in the same boat do you feel pick value are you want to stock up on picks or try and move them on for players i always want to stock up on picks yeah. um you know, I feel like they always gain value and, and people have been talking about the down year in, in yeah. 2016 and we've been spoiled the past couple of years with with strong rookie classes. And this one does look like it will be um, down in comparison to those. But there's still some great prospects and, and even some interesting prospects in the second and third rounds of rookie pick of rookie drafts that I, I would be interested in. Uh, and then the other thing is those rookie picks almost always gain value. The closer to the draft um, we get, the the more you know in demand those picks become. So um, even if you're not in love with this draft class or, or you don't want picks or maybe you don't even have roster space for picks, uh, I would suggest waiting closer until the draft to, to sell those at a higher value. Yeah, somebody's going to fall in love with somebody as we hype up in the next couple of weeks to the draft. And, uh, I do, I do agree very much with uh, that strategy, but just this season in particular, it's been something that hasn't gone my way, and a lot of the picks have uh, disappeared over time. Um, another question in on Twitter, and it's about the, you know, the players that are involved in the NFL drug policy. Obviously, the players once you get in, you're basically tested very very regularly but when you're not in it you're only tested once a year usually kind of around this time until the start of training camp you'll be tested in that and then you can do whatever you want outside of that really but the (laughs) problem is with uh, guys like over the last couple of years uh, 
Justin Blackman, Josh Garden, now Martavis Bryant. I try and stay away from the guys once they're in uh, the policy because just, you know, the risk of a four-game ban, eight-game ban, 12-game ban, season ban, it's just too much to, uh, you know, have in one a particular if it's a Josh Garden-style player or Martavis Bryant. A lot of people would be pegging Bryant as a starter going into the season up until the news came out last week. So are they players that you try and not have on your roster or is it just a thing that you just hope that it doesn't happen long term um i wouldn't say i intentionally avoid them mm-hmm. um i really try to use uh when i'm when i'm working on my dynasty rankings i think tiers are really important yeah. so if i have josh gordon in my second tier of wide receivers he carries this this risk because of this um you know this off-field history he's had and, and this potential for another uh, another year's ban or, you know, maybe he doesn't even get reinstated this year. We we don't know how that's going to play out. Um, and but if he's in my second tier of wide receivers because of that, that risk, he's going to be at the bottom. So that doesn't mean that I wouldn't own him at all. But just in comparison to guys like uh, Randall Cobb or Alshon Jeffrey, he's going to be behind those guys because of that risk. Um, and then the same would be true of Martavis Bryant. Uh, he would just be a little bit lower in my ranking, so he might be in he might be in my third tier, um, you know, behind guys like Kevin White or or some other players like that. And because of that risk, now he's going to be at the bottom of that tier. So I think the tr- the same is true of of injury risk. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, like I've had this conversation about Jordan Reed. He's in my second tier of tight ends, but he's the last player in my second tier. Um, I'd rather have Travis Kelsey. I'd rather have Tyler Eifert because Jordan Reed has this this risk due to his concussion history. Yeah, and with players like Josh Gordon too, I'm sure if he had no uh, past issues uh, in the drug policy and that he probably would be in your tier one or would you ever put him that high due to his production two seasons ago? Yeah, I would I would certainly put him that high. There yeah. was, you know, before, um, before his suspension, I, I, at one point I had him as my number one overall dynasty player. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, he was young and he had put up monster numbers. Uh, even we did we did know about that risk and, and that, you know, it came crashing down, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I, I love the talent, but I'm just not not willing to pay up for the uh, considering that risk. Yeah. Coming in with the supplemental draft and everything not being drafted officially. It is obviously something that was a worry coming into the league, but such phenomenal talent and with such substandard quarterback play as well so we'll see he should get reinstated uh, hopefully in the coming weeks and I guess then we talked about RG3 earlier we'll see what that can do to someone like his value as well there's not many other well Gary Barnage is still there not many other pass catchers at the moment in Cleveland but we'll we'll see how they go draft wise and everything but that there's uh, that was just something that I thought was an interesting question coming in on the drugs policy we'll just jump back to the uh, buy sell and the ADP changes uh, a couple more of those a guy who value has been absolutely crushed and I targeted him a lot this offseason at the start of the offseason and I've uh, really jumped off that bandwagon in the last week and that is TJ Eldon um, although he didn't get his touchdowns last year I thought he done a really nice job outside of that and I thought with you know kind of averaging things out he would get more touchdowns this season but Chris Ivory signed there in Jacksonville and I think being a Chris Ivory owner last season and still have him in a number of leagues, I think it's a move that has absolutely killed both guys' uh, values overall and uh, probably their ADPs as well. 
Yeah, I expect. Um, so we run over at DLF, we run monthly ADP, and we actually have not done that since free agency. So um, we'll start that next week, uh, the 1st of April, and I'm expecting some big changes. And, and I definitely agree that Ivory and Yeldon will – I don't know. I guess Ivory could, could maybe see a bump in value uh, according to ADP, but Yeldon will certainly uh, drop quite a bit. Um, it's funny. I had pegged him before free agency started. We were talking about some some of the safest running backs when it comes to uh, competition and yeah. and being the surefire starter. And and I thought Yeldon was in that category. Uh, I I knew they would add a running back, but I didn't think it would be the the ivory type player. And especially considering the money they gave him, it that really does affect Yeldon's uh, value. Um, at the same time, I'm still buying Yeldon. If if he's coming, you know, if, if he's coming at a discount now because of this, yeah. um, I'm I'm glad to give a late first rounder, uh, late first round rookie pick for him, or maybe a couple second rounders. Uh, you know, Ivory last season was really the first year that he stayed healthy, so exactly. I don't ex- I don't expect him to repeat last season, especially being away from the Jets and and their offense. Um, so I'm I'm a buyer on Yeldon and a seller on Ivory. He um he he didn't really miss a lot of time last season, but he was really banged up, and he, I think he missed uh, two games during the season. But he was at the end of the season really uh, struggling to move around the field. Uh, the other one, Lamar Miller, going to the Texans. Obviously, people talk about his value with uh, when he was in Miami that, that he needs to move because of the way the co- coaching staff was changing it or using him. But the coaching staff changed uh, twice over the last couple of seasons in Miami, and both the uh, coaching staffs used him the same way. And I've said a number of times on this show that. I'd be worried about that because of the fact that they see him each and every day in training. They know what's going on. And uh, I just would be worried uh, that we're going to see the same thing uh, in Texas. I'm a owner of Miller in a lot of leagues. And he's somebody that at the moment, his value continues to go up in my opinion. But maybe his value will never be as high as it is um, before the start of the season. Yeah, I have those same concerns. You know, Miller, they, the usage is is just a big story that people have talked about over the past couple of years. Uh, but there's there's a reason for that usage. If he if he ran the ball better, if he could handle more carries, Miami would have given him more carries, and and they didn't. Um, I do expect Houston to give him more touches. I just am not confident in what he's going to be able to do with those. Um, I agree with you that he'll continue to gain value over over the rest of the off season. But he would be one of my top sells if if I owned him anywhere. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. And I'm, uh, I always worry about saying stuff on the podcast prior to doing moves. But that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to keep him in all my leagues. But we'll see if I can move him. In the, in the next few. That's all. That's always the problem. But um, if somebody blows you away with an offer, you might consider it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll take uh, you know an RG three style move to to Washington to get it to work. <laughs> But um, Ryan, uh, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show. Um, I've really enjoyed it. All the listeners can obviously follow you, and probably most of them already are, and if they aren't, they should be following you on Twitter. It's at RyanMac23. Obviously, you're in work everywhere with Roto World and uh, DLF and now the, the Dynasty Blueprint as well. Definitely check out that podcast with Matt Williamson, uh, one of my go-tos each and every week now. And uh, is there anything else, Ryan, while you're on? You mentioned the ADP stuff over at DLF, all the letters. <laughs> Uh, anything else you want to give a, a plug while you're on? Uh, no, I think you covered it. Um, just you know, excited to see how the uh, NFL draft plays out and all the ramifications that come from that. 
Hi, I'm Matt Williamson, and you are listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. Once again, thanks to Ryan for jumping aboard this show. Do follow him on Twitter, as I mentioned, at RyanMac23. And uh, hopefully we'll have him on again closer to the start of next season. Check out that Dynasty Blueprint podcast as well. And um, really, we went through the bits and pieces in news, and I am recording, as I mentioned at the start of the show, a lot of episodes over the next few days. We're recording with Pat Doherty of Roto World tomorrow, and that show will come out early next week. Probably going to post that one on Monday, maybe late Sunday night, and we'll see. And then over the next few weeks, it'll be one a week with the guests uh, that I mentioned at the start, plus a number of other ones. So looking forward to doing all those. And again, if you have any questions, recording those episodes on Monday. So send the questions in nice and early and uh, I'll try and use as many as I can on the show. So until I'm back early next week with that show with Pat Doherty, of course, as always, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.